We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash hack it out. Just go to Indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right, Hack It Out Golf Podcast time. Myself, Mark Crossfield, Lou Stagner, Greg Chalmers, as always, the full house tonight. And we're going to have an interesting episode. We're going to be talking about Tiger Woods. What made Tiger Woods so good? What really was it? People talk about his different disciplines, what made him so good. We've got the stat hole, stat holing. So I'm interested to see what made Tiger so good. Lou and Greg, welcome. <laughs> How are I you? I can't both? stop dancing when I hear that intro. No, oh my god! That. I can see that. Um, Lou, first question before we head into the main meat of this pod is: How many pictures of Tiger have you got up in your bedroom? <laughs> Currently or previously? <laughs> he's going to need it. I thought look, I'm going to. I should have got Lou a bib for this one for all the draw coming out. I reckon. I, I can understand people loving Tiger. I get it. I get it. I can't imagine idolizing a golfer personally, but Lou literally. Tiger's the one, isn't he, Lou? Like you are, it's man crush stuff on Tiger, is it not? I, I, as a golfer, Tiger is my favorite golfer of all time. I so, get that, yeah, yeah, as a golfer, I, I love Tiger. Yeah, not He's offended, great. not offended at all. Doesn't bother <laughs> no. me. Doesn't bother me. You are number two, Greg. You're number Present two. Present company accepted. Yeah, Greg, you're number two, but. Uh, yeah, he, he's he'll mad. always be uh, number two, Greg. <laughs> in my heart. Always number two. Uh, he was so much fun to watch when he first came out. He just changed um, how you know what he changed golf. Uh, yeah, and he had such a big impact on the game, and he was great to watch. He brought so much excitement to it, and uh, he's a phenomenal player and did some incredible things. Yeah, and he changed golf in many ways, wasn't it? We're going to talk about his performance over the different disciplines, driving approach, those kind of ideas today. But a good point there made by Lou is he definitely the needle shifted, didn't it, with Tiger? It moved the idea of how kind of big a golfer could be in the world of, well, just in the world, not even the world of sport, just in the world. He was a name that transcended, wasn't he? Um, it would be interesting, just a question again before we get into the meat, if nor um if Nicholas was around in an era where media is so easy to share, so obviously lots of Nicholas's achievements aren't documented with videos and that repeat, repeat, repeat round on social medias and things like that. Um, I wonder if the effects would have been 
as big. I don't think they would, but it's an interesting one as well because Tiger was also, it was such an aligning of so many worlds, wasn't it? I mean, the Golf Channel put, when I've, I've chatted to the Golf Channel years ago and they were turning, you know, the Tiger coming to the forefront when them starting that business was almost like the world's aligning for them because it just, you know, their product of showing golf 24-7 just became so much more relevant because of what he did. What do you reckon, Jack Nicholas? if he had the same media outlets that we experience today where you don't have to be following golf and you can still see crazy chip-ins and shots from bunkers in Canada and the rest of it like we see from Tiger? Would it have had a different impact on on who was the greatest of all times in people's minds? Oh, you think like it would have normalised it because we'd watch someone win 18 No, no, so what I mean like, is I've... my generation didn't really get to watch Nicholas do the great things Nicholas right. did, so sometimes it's hard to relate because you can't see it. You get to see over on repeated wheels, uh, reels, just constant all the things Tiger did. So I didn't particularly follow Tiger. I wasn't particularly watching golf. That was in the height of my coaching career when Tiger was doing what he was doing. So the last thing I wanted to do is go home and watch golf when I'd been teaching all day. Um, So I didn't get to really see it as much, Um, but I can still relate to it because I still do see it day in, day out. It comes up on my Instagram. Mm. Yes. Um, It's a very different era of communication is basically my point. Nicholas didn't have that. He had a very different delayed and non-repeatable version of communication apart from text, really, I guess. What do you reckon? Would it would it have evened it out a little bit in some people's minds of the great things? Because Nicholas was out there hitting ridiculous shots. They're just not caught on Instagram. Correct. Yeah, yeah, I think it would. I think it would have made it... Um, more relatable, maybe. More, yeah, more like, yeah, and, you know, like kind of, oh, here we go again kind of thing. I think it would yeah. be a great question for someone who's maybe a little older than us yeah, um, who yeah. went through, you know, seeing Nicholas. But even then, I guess you had to be there in a lot of cases or you know, he's on TV, but um, yeah. we maybe we romanticise a little more now too. Like yeah. we, you know, but uh, certainly Tiger was worthy of that. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it was. it's certainly something that's uh, with, with everyone now roaming around with cameras, we haven't missed one thing that he's done. No. Not one thing. L- literally. You know? <laughs> 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 Yeah, yes, very true. <laughs> there are some interesting shirts and everything out there with Tiger's face on in there. But let's move on. Let's romanticise, Lou. Let's not burst any of your bubbles. Tiger is the the one. So he's the greatest of all time. <laughs> yeah, I know. Question. I know you believe that, and I kind of you've made me believe it more than I did believe it before talking to you so um the goat yeah he's the goat absolutely absolutely so um let's go through some disciplines then um i do hear people say his driving was rubbish he wasn't a very good driver of the golf ball he was rubbish at driving not very good so on and so forth how would we rate tiger's driving lou Best ever. <laughs> so, this pod ain't going to work. Question if you, you just every it. question you ask. <laughs> best ever. Which is Ten the best pod. frying pan for doing eggs? <laughs> Tiger's frying pan. It was the best. <laughs> Did him exactly. <laughs> no, Tiger was a great driver of the golf ball. I mean, we don't have um, shot link and shot level data and strokes gained prior to 2004. But you can go back and you can look at total driving and total driving does have a, uh, a a pretty strong relationship to strokes gained off the tee, which is how we typically would think of the best drivers in the game today. And total driving was made up of your distance rank and your accuracy rank. So let's say you were fifth 
in uh, in distance and you were seventh in accuracy, your combined ranking would be 12. You'd get everybody's combined ranking. And then the person with the lowest combined ranking between distance and accuracy, they would be the number one in total driving. And Tiger, you know, I just have some numbers up here. In 99, Tiger was fourth in total driving. In 2000, he was first in total driving. Um, he was 39th in 2001 and 11th in 2002. Um, and uh, I don't have 2003 hand here. No, he was 45th in 2003. Um, he was solid um, even before shot link and after shot link, he was really solid. Yeah. So I got a question for you then, because I was wondering, are there anything, is the consensus that maybe he got worse later in his career through coaching changes? And because I, I think 2000, early 2000 Tiger was in those sort of, you know, 01, 02, 2000, 99. Like if you could build a golfer, that'd be the guy I'd build um, across the board. Uh, as it went on, I honestly, I, I felt like, Maybe we'd say you'd build the iron player and everything else, but the driver became a little bit more one-dimensional. Is that supported in the stats, do you think, Lou, or is that just me talking out of my backside? Um, you know, it's a good question. Uh, I, I don't have a, a good answer for that. Um, I'm, I'm not sure there, um, you know, what potentially changed him. Um, I think he got a little bit worse as he got older, um, for sure. Um but I, I wonder, too, you know, he was a really good driver of the golf ball before ShotLink. And you might know this, Greg. I th- wasn't he one of the early adopters to – to the, didn't Nike go to a Pro V1-like ball earlier than Pro V1? And didn't he adopt that pretty early? I, I may be way off on that, but wasn't he playing a non-Balata golf ball early on in his career when everyone else was still playing Balata? It's a great he, question. I didn't. I did. I. I don't know because I didn't get access to whatever he was. I was a Nike player, as we've right. spoken in the past, and <laughs> I didn't get access to what he was using. And to be to be fair, I don't know if I'd want to use it. I didn't hit it like he hit it. Um, it probably wasn't. Wouldn't have matched me. But yes, yeah, so I'm not sure if he had any special sort of golf ball built um, for just for him. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd love to. I, I thought I heard that somewhere, read that somewhere. That's something I'd, I'd, I'd be curious to find out. I, I wonder if he just had some better technology ball wise early on. But remember, I think he was playing still a really short driver back in those days, wasn't he? Only playing still like a forty-three inch driver back in the late nineties, and everyone had moved up to forty-five steel shaft and everything. Didn't he? Wasn't he four, three, forty-four inch steel shaft? Yeah. Nine three something J driver that Titus made. Yeah, um, and just crushing it relative to his peers, just crushing it at the time. Um, Gee, it was fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you so if you had to pick one weakness, though. So before you ask that next question, Mark, if you had to pick one weakness overall, um, the numbers would probably say across his career, his driver 
was maybe his weakest. Um, I think that's what what uh, the numbers would tell you. But it's a weakness that was still gaining him strokes. Oh yeah, against I mean, the field. he wasn't bad at it by any stretch. So he's yeah, still he gaining. Still a I mean, very I've, very good driver of the golf ball. I've got some numbers here. So biggest year two thousand and five. I think he was gaining zero point eight nine six shots. Um, yeah, I mean he was fourth yeah. in strokes gained off the tee in two thousand and six. He was gaining point yeah. eight of a shot off the tee and then 2007.6 yeah, really really good 2009.3 yeah. 2012.5 which is kind of your descent that you're hinting at a little bit greg so going from 0.89 down into 2009 down into 0.35 um 13 is the only year he lost with driving of the records that we've got that I well those, i mean those are the only years that you know, I had sent you some data on that. Yeah. Those were the only years he played enough rounds to be ranked. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, in 2010, he played, you know, a fewer number of rounds and, and he didn't hit it that great off the tee that year. Uh, same thing in 2011. Uh, he, you know, he only played 29 rounds in 2010 and he, yeah. he lost a quarter shot off the tee. And right around the same too in 2011, he only played 19 rounds and he lost a little bit more than a quarter shot off the tee. So he definitely struggled, but I think there was a lot going on. Yeah, um, I think life it was, yeah, exactly. That moment of time, that you know, injury wise and other and other things. Yeah, so. other things. <laughs> Something a shaft won't help him with, maybe. Well, depending wow. on how you define the word shaft, I guess. Stop. <laughs> there you go. That's a good filler. Thank you. Absolutely. Oh, I've lost it. Can I ask another question now? So basically, he was gaining, wasn't he? He was gaining. <laughs> You've lost the plot. Oh, oh, we've I, lost it. Let, hang on. Let All me right. just bear with. Let's go to a quick little. Let, let me just compose myself. Oh, do I have to watch I'm Blue Dancing? Just going to calm myself down. <laughs> So he was gaining, basically. He was a good driver of the golf ball. He wasn't, you know, he's not at the level of Rory or Bubba. Those two in the Shotlink era are probably, you know, the top two um, uh, drivers of the golf ball. Um, He's not at their level, but he doesn't stink by any means. He was a really good driver of the golf ball. And and as his career got a little bit later on in years, it got a little bit worse. It's probably the thing he's weakest at was his driver yeah. overall over yeah. the span of his career. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because you do have the tiger-proofing comments and the idea like they were tiger-proofing, yet he wasn't the one out there gaining the most strokes with his driver. So the whole package that you'll learn from the, as we go through the different categories is why he was destroying um courses yet people were saying it was just because of his driving but his driving wasn't probably without seeing the stats yet which hopefully we'll come to wasn't even his biggest weapon so tiger proofing which people relate to as making courses longer let's get them longer his tee shots are over he's overpowering courses well there were nine four ten twelve players above him who were overpowering it more than him that they just didn't have the other assets maybe um 
Let's go. Such to, a dumb idea, too. Because uh, it just you know, it <laughs> is because it makes it easier <laughs> just, for him. I remember Bernard Langer as someone who that, yes, as someone who didn't hit it that, that yeah, far. Yeah, I was like, uh, you just made it twice as hard. Uh, exactly. For Bernard me. Langer, seventeenth <laughs> for Augusta when the tree was still up and they moved the tee back because they were tiger proof. And he said, "Well, I just can't get over that tree now, so I'm trying to thread it to the right yeah. side of that tree. The hole's just not designed for me to go. That's not a gap. You're meant to go over that tree. He can still go over it. Makes no difference yeah. to me." I'm trying to thread it through there. And I I remember we've done pods in season one with Scott where I was like, if you want to even this out a bit more, you'd actually probably go to shorter courses because now that would even out more chance of other players coming into the field. Mm. You don't make them longer. That's just the dumbest thing you can do. But Mm -hmm. anyway... We should yeah, get, that made no we sense should get to the USGA back on. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, because that one went so well. I'm sure Mark's going to come back. <laughs> yeah. Pretty confident he's not coming back. I, I no, think, he, I think not. he's not blew off his Christmas card list for sure. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so we're going to skip approach play because I want to come back to what? approach play. I want to come back to approach play, Lou. Calm okay. down. Over All there right. with you, with your approach play. Oh, I've just, I don't like that you've done these out of order. When I think of I the strokes gain categories, I do them in order. Yeah, I know you Off do. Off the tee approach, around the green. Putting. Yeah, hard to believe. So, I know that. Yeah, that's why we're doing going it. out of order. I don't like this. I'm trying to loosen you up a bit. You know, this you've is got on the record. <laughs> on the record. Going wild. <laughs> this is like party Brian night. It's <laughs> like a wild night wild. out for Lou. Yeah. Okay. Let's get crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is just this is let's the maddest. Around po- the green next. This is the let's maddest pod I've ever done. Um, yeah, yeah, let's go round the green, or yeah, let's go around the green. How was he around the green in statistically wise? Because obviously we know, as we say, uh, Greg said it earlier, we romanticise. Definitely, there are some amazing recovery shots that just constantly will play on our minds and be repeated as they should be because they were fantastic shots in situation. The 16th for Augusta, that chip and all those kind of things that um, uh, that will just stay with us forever. Was his approach play as good as... Uh, not his approach play, his approach around play. the green, sorry, around the green, as good as the Hollywood reel that is shown for Tiger? So around the green, Lou, just to make, confirm, around the green. What? Best ever. That's <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> you knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. he was great. He had, he had a really solid short game. Uh, you know, again, we we don't have shot link uh, before 2004 when he was, you know, he had some, he had some, if you didn't know this, he had some pretty good years prior to 2004. Uh, he, had a, he had a pretty good stretch there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, he, you know, he had all we have back then is scrambling and, and, you know, I have 99 up here. He was 11th in scrambling in 99. And, and in 2000, he was third in scrambling. And in 2001, he was first in scrambling. So he was, you know, really solid short game. I mean, short game, you know, scrambling um, is measuring sort of a combination between how well you are chipping, pitching it to the hole, and then you're putting as well. Where strokes gained around the green is just simply looking at, you know, how close are you getting it to the hole where scrambling you know, putting is definitely a factor in scrambling. Yeah. But when we get into, you know, some of the later years, um, you know, 2004, he was 14th and strokes gained around the green. And 2005, mm, 128th, um, you know, he was okay. You know, he had he had some years there where he had the, you remember, he went through the yips. 
Um, yeah, it, now, isn't that isn't isn't that amazing to just yeah. to pause there for a second? Like he's arguably the greatest ever. Yeah, and it went through a period for a year and a half or so, or eight, 12 months where he couldn't ship it from me to you. Yeah, it was crazy. Wasn't that to, wasn't that to do with his glutes not activating? <laughs> wasn't that to do with glutes not activating? <laughs> no, it was due to the yips. He had a bad case of the chipping yips. I remember the one event. I forget where it was, but he was he was just ping ponging it across the green. It was yeah. Phoenix. It was, was that? It was Phoenix. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was. It was. It was like why it was legitimately like watching a 15, 20 handicap player. Out there trying to hit, you know, chip shots from super tight lies. You're going, well, this is not going to work out. Well, it was crazy to see. I, I remember being. Those are some dark times for me, Mark. Yeah. Very dark times. <laughs> you were <laughs> ripping it, posters down every night, <laughs> weren't you? No, ripping it down. I'm going to have to remove the statue yeah. on the front lawn soon. Yeah. Not <laughs> Cutting your head out and putting it on top of his face <laughs> <laughs> on the posters. Yeah, exactly. Because um, I remember him having a chunk at Torrey Pines. That was, I think, pretty sure when his glutes weren't activated. You know, chipping literally, literally just off the front of the green, I think it was. I feel so. He said it. I think you said it. No, glutes weren't activated. He said it in an interview. Oh, yeah. Because that's no, why his that, back was going because like, his glutes yeah. weren't activated. And everyone in the UK who obviously never warms up, fitness isn't really a thing for us over here as a general rule. In the, like, glutes, most of us are going, what does he mean? What are glutes, let alone activating them? <laughs> You use them walking to the pub, Mark. That's what you use walking to the pub. Normally we drive to the pub, then get a taxi home. (laughs) Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. <laughs> but yeah, that was definitely hard to see. He, he went away after that, did he not? That's when he kind of stopped and went away. Is that right? Well, after When that started getting to its low, yes. he disappeared. Yeah, yeah that's it, when he, he had surgery. And, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That, that there was a, a point there where we thought he might never come back, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was after that. I think the thing I... The thing I loved about his short game, uh, particularly when I was watching him chipping and pitching, he had access to all the shots, but he hit the best shot. Yeah. Versus, I feel like to, as a as a comparison, I have been in my own brain uh, wondering sometimes if Mickelson tries to hit the flop shot too much. Yeah. Um, and, and you do wonder, like 16th at Augusta, for example, that shot where Tiger chips in, you wonder if Phil had that shot, if he'd have been throwing in 64 way up in the sky and you'd be like, yeah. well, hang on, we'll just, just chip it up there and let it roll down the hill. Yeah. So that's the thing I loved about Tiger. Yeah, sure, he could hit all those shots and it's really sexy to hit them, but he, he doesn't do it if you don't have to. Yeah, um, I, like that. I, so I found that very, yeah. very good. Yeah, yeah so his so, decision making is spot on. Sorry, Lou. Yeah, so a really uh, interesting point on that, and um, I've put some of this information out there recently. Not not a whole lot, but I did some analysis looking at short game. This is on amateur data with with Arcos and looking at every single skill level. And the better players, we're going to talk about scratch players here for a second. I looked at all the scratch <laughs> players, and I looked at the scratch players. And I put them in different buckets by how good their around the green play was, how good their their short game was. 
And what was absolutely fascinating to me was the scratch players. So these are good players. They're not at Tiger's level, um, but they're good players, uh, very good amateur players. Um, the best short game players uh, that are scratch players, they used more clubs around the green. The worst short game players used less clubs around the green. So if I were to find a scratch player that had a bad short game, by default, I would say they're they're probably pulling one or two different clubs for every single shot, no matter the occasion. And if if you were to put the you know best short game scratch player in front of me, I would say they're probably using five or six or seven different clubs around the green. Yeah, they're changing the shot based on what the shot calls for or what is you know likely to result in the best outcome. Um, I found that fascinating. And and Greg, you kind of said, you know, Tiger kind of played the right shot. Um, and, and I think that's along the lines of what you meant. He wasn't afraid to pull a seven iron out and chip one 40 yards across the green, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, I think he he, he definitely had all of them through the bag. And, and we've done chipping, you know, pods before, and we're imploring people, please practice with more than just one club. Yeah. Um, because you might find it's just, and you will find it, there's so many shots that are just flat out easier. Yeah, it's such a situation-based thing, isn't it? I mean, you play yes. with any good players when you, you know, if you we don't do it as much here, but when we go on our trips, we've got buggies, carts. We're driving up to greens and we think, oh, look, we're just off the green now, but you can't really see what you're faced with. So what we tend to do, and we're not great players, but we're half decent sometimes, we take a selection of clubs. We very rarely take one. You know, we take right. a putter because hopefully we're going to end up on the green and then we're taking our lofted and then a medium one and a running club and you get over it and you're like looking at it. I played with a couple of tour pros literally two days ago. Uh, one of them with a great short game. He's, he's a shortest player like you, Lou. He doesn't hit it very far. And um, <laughs> <laughs> come on. <laughs> and uh, he missed the green and he just took three wedges over. He took three different clubs and then he got there and chose the one that was appropriate. Um, How many chippers do you take over, Mark? I did take a chipper <laughs> on the first, and he yeah. he was saying, "Oh, I quite like that actually, Greg." He said, "That's a clever idea, nice. that." And I said, "Thanks." Yeah, I won't good. say his name because I don't want to spoil it for everyone who's going to watch the video. You should watch the video when it comes out because I'm humiliated on it. So it'll be a fun one for anyone who wants to watch. Oh, that. definitely tuning in on that. Yeah, I'll no, norm that one normally sure. I put up a bit of a show, but this one um, didn't quite go to plan. But anyway, that's something different. But yeah, using a selection of different clubs. So Tiger obviously was just very good. And you see that, don't you, uh, from from better players, where it is so many people watch these great players and you see the Hollywood reels. You know, you see the amazing flop shots and you see the ball running up the slope and back down and you think how amazing that is, where Greg's saying, which I think is a great point, uh, actually that's probably the most sensible shot to play there. And other pros might not have played that shot. They'd have chosen a more difficult one. Um, so his shot selection, as well as his skill set around the green, was top notch as you would imagine. Putting. Have we got data no, on we putting? Got, we, we can't talk about his short game without just uh, remembering um, 16 at Augusta. Was that 2000? Yeah, I think, uh, four, I think we've five, just done six, that. Like that. Have we not talked about um, that twice? <laughs> that was just one of my favorite shots and favorite moments of all time. I was watching oh, that live. Oh my like God. So many of us. Yeah. It, was, it was. Get the violin incredible. out. Yeah. It was incredible. I haven't got any like pretty music. I need to get some pretty Which music. Which hole was that, Lou? Was it 16 at Augusta? Yeah, was that 16 at Augusta? Yeah, yeah. Is that the one? Did it go <laughs> in? I can't. It went up a slope or something. Is that what it did? Did he bogey the last two after that and still win? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's just talk about 16. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. It's a good memory. <laughs> so can we move on to putting now, Lou? Are you done? You got sure. that out of your system? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes. Um, putting. I mean, he's known as people call him a clutch putter, and I do struggle with that term a little bit. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Lou, but I just think your, your general pattern of clutch putters is they tend to hole or have a good putting record. So they're clutch because let's say they hole seven out of 10 from a, a certain direction, but you only play 15 events in a year, then there's probably a good chance you're going to be more clutch than the person aiming, only holding four out of 10. Um, but people will know him as a clutch putter, whatever that means. Oh, I know what people think it means. Um, and, you know, his putting is legendary for certain things that he's done in situation, which you just think, wow, what a time to do it, which is what people are hanging on to. How is his putting overall? Um, overall, and this is legitimate, in my opinion, he was the best. Yeah, ever. so that's um, a and that's legitimate. Best. So yeah. that's a that's a true. The other ones were false. And, and I, I say this to to the <laughs> the number three ranked putter in the Shotlink era, um, who is on is on the call here. So here's why I think, and, and again, I'm going to say this as delicately as I can. Oh. I don't want to anger Mr. Chalmers. Do you want me to um, mute his uh, headphones a minute, Lou? Please <laughs> mute him because he may start yelling at me. Here's why I think Tiger's number one. I think, um, I don't have it in front of me, but I think if you look at uh, strokes gained per putt in the, in the shot link era, I think he's maybe 14th, 13th, 14th, 15th, somewhere around there. Really good putter. Total, really, you mean? Really, really Do you mean putter. over, or what do you mean as in over a period of time, 14th? Yeah, 2004 to, and onward. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, 2004 and onward. Yeah. Very, very good putter. But why I think that that number is a bit misleading is um, uh, when you play, when your rounds happen, um, has a big influence on putting. And um, the earlier in the day that you play, the easier it is to putt. The later in the day you play, the harder it is to putt. And that is true for everybody, no matter what group you look at, whether you look at the best putters, the, the players winning the most money, the worst putters on tour, the best, whatever group you look at, when you look at their performance over the course of the day, their putting gets worse the later in the day it gets. And that's driven by foot traffic on the green and grass growth on, on the green. And when you look at Tiger, Tiger played, because he was so good, Tiger played so many of his rounds later in the day on the weekends. So he had he was massively skewed towards playing way more holes like after 2 p.m., um, and so if you adjust the numbers for um, time of day when you played, he's likely, very likely number one um, putter, in the, at least in the shot link era. We don't have data before that at the shot level. So it's kind of uh, hard to say, you know, with any definitive uh, you know, answer how good he was before shot link, but he was he was still pretty good back then. Um, you know, putting average, which does have a relationship to um, you know, to strokes gained putting. You know, he always did really well. Like I pulled up in 2000, he was second in putting average. In 2001, he was 102nd. In 99, he was 24th. I mean, he was a good putter uh, early on. He had a couple of off years, but in my opinion, number one overall based on the numbers that I see. 
And so all I heard there, Greg, was a dig at you. That's all I could hear. He was like, yeah, you well, hear that? well, see, I was off at 7 a.m. <laughs> yeah. And uh, no, I'm by 11. Holding and, everything. Uh, tiger in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't, yeah. I don't, Walking I'm without picking your feet up at 7 a.m. Yeah. in the morning. All mine were for par. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I will funny. be wearing spikes today and a few extra spikes, and I will not be picking my feet up today. I will. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll throw in a little stat for you that it, that – um, doesn't get talked about much. Um, never won a major without a Scotty Cameron. Used a Nike putter for a long period of time. Okay. All his majors were won with a Scotty Cameron yeah, on the flat was, stick. Yeah. And the first one was with the black beryllium God, thing, that, the Masters. The check, was that with the checkered back yeah, as well? Every, on the back, every, yeah. They must have sold so many of those putters when he won yeah. with that because there were close-ups of it. Like everyone wanted that putter yeah. and like all Scotty stuff and it is great his stuff um it wasn't cheap that putter there must have been some good old margin going on in there Scott Cameron's absolutely everyone wanted one of them Tiger must have literally shifted the needle on sales for those I reckon when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Um, so yes. yeah. So he's a good putter considering he's playing on the ground that all these early starters have ruined is basically what you're saying there, Lou. Well, yeah, I mean that <laughs> plus you know there's waddled around. <laughs> there's uh there's other factors that influence how um how hard or easy it is to gain strokes putting and, and you know and putt well. And typically, the better again, I, I'm, I'm oh, here we get go. mad at me. This is typically such a, the oh, Tiger's the best, and Greg's the better you this. hit. <laughs> the better you hit the ball with your approach play, the harder it is to gain strokes. Putting. Oh gosh, um, so he was just and, so and, good. This is oh, and and that's because there's a few different kinds of putts. There, there's putts that have no information. And what I mean by that is if you hit a ball to eight feet from 150 yards away, uh, you typically have no information on what that, that putt is going to do, unless you happen to be lucky and you have a playing competitor right behind you, right on your line, and you can learn a little bit from that, but you, you have no information on what that putt is going to do. Um, as opposed to first putts that happen after a chip or a pitch shot, when you're around the green, and you have a chip or a pitch shot, you're typically, especially at Greg's level, you're typically going at the hole almost every time, and you're able to learn something about the putt from seeing it roll, you know, as it's leading up to the hole, or if it goes past the hole, if you hit it a little past the hole, and you're able to learn a little bit of information from that. So uh, when you hit the ball well, you typically are having more makeable putts with no information. So it makes it statistically, it, it makes it a little bit tougher to 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 hold putts um, in that situation. Uh, it, it can get a little. You can kind of wrap your mind around this a couple of different ways. Hopefully that made sense. The simplest yeah, yeah. way I explained it. It makes sense. Yeah. So basically, okay. what, 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 what you what, said is you're not you're playing. You're not picking your feet up, Greg. 
And you're missing too many greens as well. No, I'm missing too many greens. That's all I am. I do close my eyes when the ball rolls past the hole, so I don't get too much information and I don't cheat the system so I can get legitimate. But does that factor in, though? Like he never played – like he made the same schedule every year. Like he – I don't know if he needed any more information. No, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean uh, he's rolling out to Bay Hill and he's rolling out to, you know, the well, same places. Do, Jack's no, I could, do a, I could do a deep dive on that and I would – No, I'm fighting would, back on this one. I would venture to, <laughs> I would venture to guess that, that Tiger um, did better when he had information on a putt. And information would be after he had mm. a chipper oh. pitch shot or a second putt. So I, I would, had, yeah, that's a that's almost a better ball. That's almost a take bet, that isn't it? I get that's almost a bet that I would take. Saying, I would happily say, you would struggle to see a statistical difference that it was better once he had information as opposed to hitting greens. I, because I'm happily I would, be proved wrong. I'm not going to stand because I've seen all I've seen all the numbers. Yeah, I, I'll but the, the interesting thing, Lou, though, is like honestly, at his peak and probably still now. You could say to him, okay, the 18th hole at Bay Hill, we're going to put the pin on the back right. Um, we're going to put you 15 feet pin high to the left. How much does that break? And he, I bet you he'll go, oh, you yeah, that's it, like yeah. two balls out left, said Edge. But hang, right? yeah. And that's without and, the and I, and I bet he would be wrong. Like, I bet he would be oh, wrong. If you went, if you went know, he's made there. it like three times to win, hasn't he? From yeah, that, that well, <laughs> I mean, every putt's going to be a little bit different too, right? Every putt's going to be a little if bit he different. Had, if he'd have chipped it across the green right. to there, he'd have more information. It reconfirms yeah. it at the very least, right? Yeah, oh, for sure. A little question on that, Lou, is that what's the data on putting for a birdie versus putting <laughs> for a par? There's no difference. Zero There's difference. absolutely no difference. So if you so what, so for, what happens so for distance, is any, for distance is irrelevant what they're putting for. Um, so here's what happens, and here's why the, there's misconception around that. So Go if you it. look at all putts from six feet, so yep. six feet zero inches to six feet eleven inches, and if it's for birdie or if it's for par, the par putt overall is going to have a slightly higher make percentage. But that's very misleading because the distribution is different. If you look at the distribution of the putts, so not if you look at a, a, a chunk of putts from six feet zero inches to six feet eleven inches, what's going to happen is the par putts they are going to have more putts that are closer to the hole. So they're going to have more putts at six feet zero inches, a little bit less at six feet one, a little bit yeah. less at six so feet two. You can't dial bit. in and, on the inches enough. And so is what you're if there's a hundred, you know, if there's a hundred putts, yeah, they're yeah. going to have twenty putts from six feet zero inches and eighteen putts from six feet one. Yeah. And if you look at the birdie putts, it's just the opposite. Yeah. If there's a hundred total birdie putts between six feet zero and six feet eleven, you're going to have seven putts from six feet zero. Yeah. Um, and eleven putts from six feet one. And so it gets greater. The number of putts gets greater as you get farther away from the hole. So the distribution of those putts is what causes those make differences to be off by a couple of percent. So yeah. the fact that they make more six footers when they're for pars it's only because of those six footers you know they skew more towards six foot zero inches than they do towards six foot eleven i love it and that's great so basically what you're saying there unless you've got other data is that there's no way of knowing if they make more for pars or birdies because the data is basically a bit corrupt no, the data is not corrupt. The, the make rate's the same. If you look at it at the inch level. Yeah, yeah. Like okay. If I were to look at yeah. it at six foot one. If you look at it at the yeah, inch level, it's, it's the same. That's all I want. Pretty much the same. Yeah. There's there's some, you know, big, you know, the sample sizes get a little bit smaller. Even when you look at 10, 15, 20 years of data, we don't quite have 20 years yet. But when you look at a large number of years and you look at just putts from 
you know, 60 inches for birdie versus 60 inches for par, you know, some of those samples start to get a little bit smaller. Yeah. And, and when you look at it inch by inch, there's some, you know, 58 inches birdie might be a little bit higher and 59 inches par might be a little bit higher and they flip flop back and forth. They're yeah. kind of the same when yeah. you look at it at the inch level. Yeah. I get, I get you. Do you think it would flip flop back and forward the same with the ones where they're chipping opposed to hitting the green? Or do you think it would just be a notice a statistical difference? No, it's just, it's a, it is a statistically significant difference. So I've, I've looked at this with another statistician. Yeah. We've done some deep dives. I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. But, you know, what, whether or not you have information on the putt makes a difference in the make rate. So there's three kinds of putts. There's one where you have no information. Yeah. Uh, there's one where, and, and that's first putt with no information. Uh, and then there's putts where you, you know, you do have information. And that comes from either a chip or a pitch. Um, or a second putt or a third putt or a fourth putt or a fifth putt. How do you know in in that data, sorry to interrupt, how do you know in that data if it's a, they've seen someone putting on a similar line or not? I don't. No. I don't know that. No, No. I'd love to. I I took a look at that and and tried to see if I could, if I could uh, figure that out. Um, I could figure that out, but it was, it was kind of. uh, Slightly time consuming. It was bedtime. It was kind of a pain. (laughs) Like it was kind of a pain and it was, um, there would have been some, the samples would have probably been pretty small because I would have wanted somebody on a really, really similar line. You know, you know how it is. You can be, you know, three or four feet off to the side and and five feet behind somebody. And it's a very different break than what you have. And you don't really learn anything on that. So it's hard for me to say if they exactly learned something from seeing the putt of somebody that went before them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Really interesting. So um, he's a good putter. Let's, let's leave it there. Greg, Greg doesn't hit enough greens and he was a good putter. I mean, let's just, 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 just leave off Greg for a bit. Shall we? Um, Greg's my favorite putter ever. Greg's my favorite putter. Oh, as a fellow lefty, as a fellow lefty. <laughs> Um, let's finish on approach play then, because the reason I left approach play to the end is because I think lots of people who understand, and I don't, but I think I've got some understanding. Approach play was his Pierre de Resistance, was it not? Was was the approach play not his goat status? Was was approach play the one? Lou, approach play. Tell yeah, me. He's, Say it's the he, best. Come on, you know you're the gag. best ever. Yeah. <laughs> 100% the best ever. I mean, it, it's just amazing. Um, in 2006, I mean, he only played 37 rounds in 2006. He gained 2.07 strokes per round just with his approach play oh. in 2006, which is just, that's, that's another level. Good. I mean, that's, that's pretty really good. good. Yeah. I mean, if you gain two strokes overall, you're one of the best players on tour. He did yeah. it with just his approach play in 2006, which is just bananas. Um, yeah, he he's off the charts. He's in another world with how good of an uh, iron player he was. Yeah, yeah. So his approach play through his years, did it stay his golden chalice is whatever is his like top dog or did it move around a bit or not was i mean approach play i would argue from what i've seen i'm just eyeballing hasn't seemed to have changed like it just is relentless basically greg would you say his approach play is something that would stand out for you well just as eyeballing it oh that yeah. you just think yeah, like, like it, come yeah, on yeah, stop yeah. it in it there oh yeah, he's yeah in it there. I, 
if I wanted someone to hit irons for me, um, I mean, actually, if I wanted someone to do pretty much everything, but yeah, yeah. I'll jump on Lou's bandwagon. Yeah. Um, it's an easy yeah. wagon to jump on, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something that he just had such wonderful control and still does. Um, and great compression, and it sounds great. I mean, everything about it, when you talk about romanticizing it, everything about it was just like, wow, that's pretty cool to watch. Yeah. Um, and could move, still move. You know, maybe even later in his career, I don't believe he could move the driver both ways very comfortably. He could early in his career, but his irons, he can. He yeah. can do pretty much whatever he wants, a little more loft on him, obviously, and uh, and he's he's very, very good at it. And uh, hasn't he hit some, some cracking shots? You know, it was just... Uh, just unreal. Yeah. So approach for Lou, does is does anyone come close? Like what would an average what what's the world's best gaining approach play nowadays, for instance? What is a Ram or a McElroy or a, you know, some of the world a, a, a Dustin Johnson when he was on the PJ tour? What what do I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but without looking, I wouldn't know what a good golfer yeah, is mean, gaining typically, approach play. Yeah. Yeah, typically the leader every year, you know, that isn't Tiger is around one, typically. Right, um, so he's doubling. A little bit lower than one, maybe a smidge <laughs> higher than one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you get to, you know, some of the Tiger years and, you know, he was two or 1.6 or 1.3. I mean, he he was just so much better than everybody else. Henrik Stenson was really solid. Um, really was Morikawa must be good. I've heard Morikawa is amazing. Very, very Adam Scott had one year where he was phenomenal, but Morikawa is awesome. Um, he's an incredible ball striker, but, you know, Tiger's always been, you know, so much better than everybody else overall in that category. I mean, just so much better. And that's and I heard, I forget who told me this story. I heard it recently. I forget who, who told it. it. may have been you, Mark. Was it the Shane Lowry on the Muddy Range story? Was that from you? No. Darren Clark else? just did an interview. Darren Clark just did an interview uh, on a podcast, and he talked about that. It was in it was in Germany. It's only played where he, is it, he had no divots or something? Is that No divots or something like that. Yeah, somebody yeah. just told me about it recently. Now, so it was on a podcast? Okay. Yeah, I believe so. Now, now it's really interesting because I've watched him hit balls and he's lacing divots everywhere. So Who are we talking about? Like, Shane? So or? Darren Clark, Dar- Darren Clark talking about Tiger hitting balls off right. mud, basically mud. Yeah. And slash little bit of grass in Germany. Yeah. And he said he hit a full bag of balls and then went over there. There was no disturbance to the ground. He just kind of smoothed off, which, I mean, I don't know. You tell me, Mark. I mean, I thought you were supposed to hit a few degrees down on the ball. Yeah, well, um, hitting down but, and hitting up doesn't always relate to divot taking as well. Right. So I, I can hit up to fall down and not touch divots. the grass. But oh, Tiger, Tiger takes a divot. I mean, he does. Uh, yeah, he, he's I'm, not Tom I mean, Watson. He ain't plucking it off the top, is he? Right. Is, is that right. just yeah, one so, of those stories? Then is it? Is that maybe. one of those stories? Because well, I've got one. Because I I was coming home one night from the pub, and this. Activating your glutes? Yeah, and my glutes were fully <laughs> activated. <laughs> I haven't got a story. This ain't going anywhere. But basically, t- <laughs> Tiger did something amazing that no one's ever done. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, he, I'm not saying he doesn't. But those. Well, it is a, definitely a pattern in golf that I have seen, and certainly I hear it when I go on to certain tours where there are this these mythical 
things that people like. Oh, Lou starts them all. Yeah, Lou starts, starts all those all, stories. Yeah. Like, yeah. Spreads them. <laughs> he hits them, and it sounds like no. It sounds like no one else when he hits it. That's a very common one I hear. When he hits yeah. it, it's a different sound. I just think. Yeah, well, yeah that, that's what, what that happens mean? with Tiger headsets. It's a totally mean? different sound. It's a different sound. sound. <laughs> like it's a different sound. Just, but Lou, did you did you ever see him hit it up close? Did you ever watch yeah, him play? Yeah, I've, I've followed him. Yeah, he stalked him at the Canadian Open. He was removed. Moved from the car. Canadian Open. <laughs> yeah, so the year, uh, the year what that Tiger like hit <laughs> the the famous uh, six iron bunker shot over Which the water pushed. on eighteen. Which uh, he pushed. finished fourth that year. Thank you. Did you? Did you really? <laughs> yeah. So I was oh. there that year for the practice round, and we saw him. Like you could come in the entrance way, and 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 you could get to that part of the golf course pretty quickly from the entrance way. And we showed up and we were on that side right by that bunker. And we saw him hitting some shots out of that bunker in, in the practice round that I was there for. I still have some pictures. We took camera with us practice round day and have a bunch of pictures. And, and, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, one of the highlights of my life. I mean, it was, it's probably, <laughs> well, probably he's going to shed a tear. If yeah, you my, say it was better than your firstborn, my daughter, four, he didn't even get a picture with my you. Daughter, my daughter being born, my wedding day, and then Tiger, seeing Tiger for the first time. I Those are the top it. three moments of my I life. Coming. The top three moments of my life. <laughs> I tell you, I tell you what, what I don't know what the numbers are, but his cuts made number as someone who loves to make cuts was unbelievable. That, that 140 conti- or something like that. 140 like, you something. Didn't have, like, yeah. Are you telling me you didn't have one day where you wake up feeling like a bag of rubbish? Like one day where it just doesn't go your way early on? Or yep. something, but he's got forty two. But, but he's got shots in the bank, hasn't he? That's the point. If you're gaining oh, two point seven or two point zero seven on approach, what? and then what you're gaining the cuts off a tee, you've got shots in the bank, haven't you? You that's 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 mm. as much Wendy's as you can eat, right there, isn't it? Yeah. It's incredible. What's the most number of cuts you made in a row, Greg? Do you, do you I don't know. I missed six in a row once. Does that count as a stat for anything? <laughs> it does count as a stat. He, no, Tiger was 142 in a row. Tiger's never done that. <laughs> yeah. And, and Byron Nelson was 113 in a row, but that doesn't even count. Like they played against farmers and, and bartenders back then. So that doesn't count for anything. Um, Jack was 105 in a row, but 142 in a row is pretty incredible did we talk about the 16th hole at augusta back in 2005 <laughs> I, I don't think we have what happened Lou? we what? should did he hit the green you and make to, birdie you, like normal people do or not? Uh, I don't know. it was amazing <laughs> were you you're there too to, you're gonna need to you're gonna need to watch that bib by the end of the day mate <laughs> we should we should literally turn this podcast into this uh episode every week so we <laughs> yes. get together and talk about Tiger we, every we week. Should, I we think should, people would love that. We should start a new one called the Tiger Pod and just literally talk stories because we could just make them up. That's what people do. Let's just make up. Uh, yeah. If the listeners want to hear us make up stories about Tiger that sound mm. realistic, but we've made them up, let us know on our social channels and we'll do that pod and we can see. Who I heard he levitates up. the first tea every yeah. week. He just, like, I, yeah. <laughs> just glides, <laughs> glides in. <laughs> I bet even he giggles sometimes when he hears them. I bet he just thinks, I never did that. But I ain't going to say anything because my brand just massive. (laughs) Just keep pumping it up. Uh, There you go. So Tiger was pretty good at everything is what we're saying. Approach play to stand out, putting, stand out, short game, stand out. Driving definitely stood out and then kind of dipped a little bit but was still a standout skill. 
Um, what did you like, what What did you guys think? I was going to ask you that. What did you guys think when Curtis Strange did that interview and he and Tiger remember this? And Curtis said, "Yeah, you know, you'll, you'll learn. learn." When Tiger said he didn't want to finish second or third, yeah. yeah, I I must admit at the time I was like, "This kid, like, what's he thinking?" Right, but a few years later, I'm like, "Oh, okay, now I see. We've learned, <laughs> right?" <Yeah. laughs> I mean, we've learned. I never saw that interview in time i've only ever seen it you know as a repost now so i I didn't i wouldn't i do distinctly remember him being interviewed on uk telly at the masters uh after round one at the masters or he might have had a average first round or he might have even been before the round um you know what are your chances of doing x y or z it might have even been like what are your chances of making the cut this week because that's a that's a British way of interviewing. A British way is that, that we're all really humble and, you know, we don't do anything good. And if something good happens, we're, it's like we all celebrate. Um, and he just said, I'm telling you, I never forget it because I've never heard anyone say it in golf. Certainly, I'm here to win. Yeah. And that silence we had there, that happened because the interviewer was like, oh, I don't know what to say because it's kind of the end of the interview because normally they would say, well, I just want to have a good week. I've been playing quite well. If I can just make the cut mm. and have a good finish going into the round three, I'll take my chances. And then it leads on to another question. But he just went, I'm here to win. And the interviewer learned silent for like three seconds because you could see the interviewer just thinking, um, okay, goodbye, good luck. Um, see you next, you know, because it's incredible. It's just great. And I remember hearing that the first time just thinking, wow, I've never heard someone say that. Was that arrogant or is he that good? Like, let's see where this goes because you know, you've, he's put that out there. So let's yeah. see what happens. And he won. <laughs> it was like, oh. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. Like that was the year he shot, the, was the 97 when he shot 40 on the front nine and 32 on the back and but then yes. just tore it apart yeah. from then on. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, like it's just, I, I'm amazed that, it, well, like, what was his peak? I think it was like 28% of the events he entered, he won at his best. Like one 33. out of three. Pretty, no, 33. 33.7% like, <laughs> <laughs> over 10-year run, which is amazing. 10-year Ten Ten run. Is it amazing, Lou? It's, in, sure? it's the best ever. <laughs> best ever. We wanna... need a sound effect best ever. Yo, that's coming. <laughs> Don't worry. That's right. coming. Uh, there we go tiger let us know if you want us to do the, the fake tiger stories i'm quite excited for that i think that could be quite good fun but hopefully that pod gives you an idea of why tiger was so good and a little bit about why lou has the man crush that he has because you can see when it comes to tiger woods um he is the best of best ever any lou just that's it he's the best ever he's the goat there you go. And Greg is the goat, the second greatest of all time. <laughs> so, so, Always so our number two. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Catch you in the next podcast. <laughs>